Welcome back to season two. We are so grateful for your continued support and for those new to the podcast. We look forward to sharing our getting dirty and growing strong stories with you. Where the Lotus Grows is an entirely listener-supported show. Supporting us is also designed to support you through keeping the growth flowing and also through rewards like guided meditations, personal affirmations, and extended behind-the-scenes content of our adventures in podcasting. Hop over and visit patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows and become a supporting member of the Cratitarian community. Where the lotus grows. Where the lotus grows. Cratitarians. Getting dirty and growing strong. Welcome back, Courageitarians. We've got another episode today on Kim's journey. And what all have we um, experienced in these last couple of weeks, Kim? Where are we at? So I'm in the radiation phase. I have completed eight sessions. Okay. So eight sessions. I have 25 to complete. Uh, so I started off radiation in a big snowstorm. And uh, oh so <laughs> usually it takes an hour, a good hour to drive to the hospital. And uh, my first week, it was taking like two hours uh, to drive one way. So um, it was nice. The first time I arrived, um, you know, Nick had been driving me to the hospital. And, you know, when you're in chemo and, and you have surgery, you're not very present. So I did get turned around a couple of times. Uh, and I, right. you know, I'm going in the dark, which I don't see that great at the dark and dark time, but I did find my way there. Got myself when it's early in the morning too. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I get up at uh, five and I need to leave the house by 20 to five so that I can arrive oh, wow. there. I arrive there with like 10 minutes to spare and that's enough time to get checked in. Cause they're checking temperatures and things of that nature and get your sticker right. and then get myself changed and use the restroom and uh, get into the waiting area. But, you know, the first time that I'm walking into the radiation department, they have this lovely um, outdoor garden area and the path for the garden is lined with rocks that people have painted and put positive messages on and prayers and some right. people, uh, they must have been, I'm assuming, a welder. Some people have taken their rocks and made like a little welded sculpture. Uh, and the rock is a body of an animal or something. So, of course, when I'm walking in, I'm such a sap. and I'm reading this stuff. And you're, you know, you're scared to start a new phase and what it means for you. And so, yeah. of course, I'm like, you know, crying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the front desk person's going to think, you know, like oh. <laughs> I'm having a moment. But you know, it was really touching uh, to see it and, uh, you know, to see everybody that's kind of gone before you. Yeah, I, I get in and sure. I get changed and uh, get to the room. And you don't wait very long in the room. Uh, they, they take you back right away. There's four machines. They try to keep you on the same machine. But because of the pandemic, pandemic there's still staffing shortages. So I think they only have three mm-hmm. machines running. 
So, um, you know, the girls were great. They tried to give me the mouthpiece right away. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, do I have to have this on? You know, I right. promise not to move. Can we just be, do it the last minute? So we've kind of negotiated a last minute thing. And then they yelled Good. from the booth, uh, okay, you can take it out, you know. And, and so they've taught me that it's on an arm. And, um, you know, I can swing it back out of my way and, and get re- rid of the nose thing. So I was talking to them a little bit, the technicians uh, that work on me every day, a little bit about the breathing apparatus. I guess it's made in France. And the one technician said, hey, you know, like nobody really likes it. But do you know mm-hmm. what we had before this? And I said, no. And she said before it, uh, they would control the person's breath. So they couldn't breathe unless they, you know, opened up the thing. And I thought, oh, my God. So then that really made me be grateful and try to, you know, find some peace with the breathing apparatus. Because I thought, oh, that would be horrific. That would be awful. Well, that was like going to be my first thing that we jumped in was like, okay, so we had this big part of the episode was about what the breathing apparatus would be like. Wow, that's incredible. Um and so then you were able to just like swing it over and hook it up right before they were ready to yeah. say go. So, yeah. So what they do is they get you, when you get in, there's a little, uh, I call it the speed bump, but it's like a triangle piece that you put mm-hmm. your sits bones against. And then there's another one up in the cervical spine. Um, so once you get in, you take yourself out of your robe. Uh, they uh, There's a thing to lift my legs up. So they'll put that in and then I start putting my arms in the cradle to hang on to the the circle piece. Um, And they're adjusting me with the laser lines. And then just before uh, they're going to leave the room to start to dose things, they'll, we'll do one breath hold sequence just to make sure everything's still in alignment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, I put my goggles and my nose piece and my mouth thing in just before that. They're radiating me in four planes at seven different loca- seven different doses. Wow. So the machine kind of, you know, moves around you. And counting has really been helpful. So I do count up and down. And then, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have those 25-second holds. After a long hold, sometimes when the machine is making a big, you know, movement, then that's mm-hmm. when I take like these really long exhales and remind myself to relax. Yeah. Um, so they do um, three doses are in one plane and then the other ones are in, you know, split up into the other three planes. So that's been good. I worked with uh, my spiritual healer a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked around the fact that, um, you know, this, this feeling where I really thought that my I felt exposed, like my heart was on display for everyone to see. Right. And so we talked about this concept that the cancer was right over my heart. And energetically, that's kind of damaged my heart chakra. And thinking about it more of this is an opportunity that now I have to heal and build, rebuild substance in my heart. And right. what does that look like in this new world? And so I've been playing with that quite a bit. And that has helped me because you think about it, I, I had found comfort in my surgical cami with my little pillow boobs. It really boosted my confidence and I felt safe again. Mm-hmm. Now in radiation, you know, starting my first day, 
uh, you know, I can no longer wear that because it's uncomfortable. I'm in a, a double X, <clears throat> sorry, I'm in a double X t-shirt mm-hmm. uh, so that it's loose. So air can get down in there. So it's not rubbing on my skin. So I no longer have my pillow boobs. I also had never seen myself full on in a mirror and yeah. I need to apply lotion right now. I'm applying lotion three times and I'm putting it on really thick so it can settle in. And so that was really difficult to see myself in the dressing room, uh, Mm -hmm. looking at the mirror. I I shared that it it felt like a war went on in my chest. And when I see my chest, uh, it looks like a war went on in my chest. I mean, a Uh, war did go on, Kim. (laughs) It was an (laughs) epic battle. (laughs) I know I'm listening I, you know, I started listening to the Upanishads on my drive and now I'm listening to mm-hmm. the Bhagavad Gita because I finished the Upanishads uh, and I'm just like, I kind of really, you know, with Arjuna right now. In this yes. uh, and, and, uh, I needed to listen to the Upanishads. Uh, it, it brought me a lot of peace driving mm-hmm. uh, my first five sessions. And now, you know, I'm listening to the Bhagavad Gita and that's kind of giving me the, the warrior feel that mm-hmm. I needed, but the Upanishads was kind of that relaxing, peaceful, you know, discussion Yeah, about the, you know, this kind of the circle of life and, and everything that we embody with yoga philosophy. But um, yeah, the incisions are, you know, they're, they're big and uh, kind of how flesh has settled. Uh, there's a lot of, bulges and puckers and um, I can now see why my sides underneath my arms were so sore I came mm-hmm. I came home because you know I had shared that my caregiver really expected with surgery for me to be two weeks ahead of you know like further along he thought like I was two weeks behind in what his expectations would be and mm-hmm. after I saw it I came home and I said we got to talk about this he said you know like if you see this I mean, this was like major stuff that happened. And I really think, I really thought that I was kind of on the mark and doing really well, considering everything that I had gone through. I and, thought you uh, were ahead, to be honest. Everything that you were telling me, I was like, you are doing great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right right now, I am... A, I think, you know, you feel, let's go back to just like having my first treatment. I can feel yeah. warmth where, okay. when, when the, you know, you hear the machine working, but after the mm-hmm. machine's like moving to the next thing, I feel warmth in that area. Okay. Uh, I started, you know, even my second and third treatment, you know, you, I feel the fatigue on the way home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that Friday I, I needed to take a nap. So I've decided like even this week, um, I think Fridays are going to be a a pretty big, heavy, like a 90 minute to two hour nap needed for the Mm -hmm. fatigue. I've started implementing a half an hour yoga nidra every day uh, with my lunch break. And I came across an Uma Densmore um, yoga nidra that I had recorded for myself and liked a starry night one. Um, and so she does a body scan and you put um, stars at different points in the body. And then it also has a heart piece, 
with light. Mm. And I had added a chant, um, which is helping to remove uh, obstacles and things of that nature and and offer healing. So that really Mm -hmm. resonated with me. So I've been doing that yoga nidra every day. Um, These, you remember like, because we're kind of like the tanning bed girls when that first came out. It's kind of the first week was like, you know, when you get in the tanning bed and you think, Ooh, I probably stayed in a little longer than I should have. So mm-hmm. you kind of had that burnt skin smell and you thought, if, gosh, if I don't lotion, I might wake up with a sunburn, but then you don't wake up with the sunburn. That was my first week. Uh, this week I, I'm pretty red and it's pretty stingy. Like my seatbelt hurts coming across my chest and I have mm-hmm. my uh, port pillow on there. Mm-hmm. And it's still like the vibration of the car and the clothing doesn't feel great. So I'm assuming, I mean, it's cold out. So I've been putting a baggy sweater or sweatshirt on over my t-shirt when I'm at work. But I think I'm wondering if next week, which will be my third week, if I'm going to have to stop having something over top of my t-shirt, we'll see how that goes. Uh, usually right. when so I maybe something lunch, that opens in the front instead of over, you know what I yeah. mean? Would that be, or would it still be too much weight on the sides? Well, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> my, I've gained 50, 60 pounds. So mm-hmm. I'm in my husband's clothes and you don't want to keep buying clothes that, you know, hopefully you're not in forever. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to find uh, very soft button down items mm-hmm. and you're putting on so much lotion and at some point, you know, my skin probably will break down. So I might have some sores that would ooze. So women who have gone before me say that the t-shirts that you get to wear in radiation, you should really plan to throw away. Kind of mm-hmm. like when you're pregnant, they say, you know, you're going to have to throw away your underwear, just get mm-hmm. new underwear, right? Um, it's kind of the same thing with, with the shirt. So I'm not saying that I might not, you know, maybe I will end up going to that expense, but right now I don't I'm see just myself thinking, going through the expense of it. But yeah, I was just thinking like I have a cozy cardigan, like a long, almost like a duster it can oh, yes. just below my so knees, thinking, but like a cozy cardigan. So I was thinking something like a cardigan or a robe that could keep you cozy Yes, I but would open saying. from the front and not necessarily put that weight, the fabric wear, weight on you. Yeah, I did wear one of those today okay. and it still was bothersome. Yeah, 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 I mean. So, because I did try one of those today because I have my Sherpa pants on today. Do you have a pair of Sherpa cozy? I don't. But they I am aware of what they are. Yes, yeah, sweatpants <laughs> with Sherpa lining on the inside. They're wonderful. So that's mm-hmm. the other thing. You know, Nick was laughing at me. He says, you know, you've kind of become like an old person. And I said, you know, well, with cancer, you kind of decide to lose your filter. And I'm all about the cozy and forget the, yeah, the fashion comfort. sense. Yes. Well, and through treatment, yeah. I mean, there is no other way. I, I cannot imagine, Kim. I dress cozy to go to the dentist because I have dental trauma and I'm like if I'm gonna go and be uncomfortable I want to be uncomfortable in as comfortable as possible clothing (laughs) so the fact that you're doing something way more than getting a feeling (laughs) 
<laughs> or your teeth cleaned. Like you need to be cozy. I'm in this quandrum because when I can, you know, put myself together, it's mm-hmm. a huge uh, boost. emotional boost. Mm-hmm. I would like to feel put together and cozy at the same time, but, uh, you know, financially for each phase, how your body changes, that doesn't happen. Sure. And so I, I had prepped my clients. I said, you're going to see me in the same outfits. I promise they're clean, but you know, I just can't <laughs> keep buying new stuff. And they're like, that's okay. We, you know, we completely understand. And, uh, some ladies have said, Hey, if you need to teach us with your top off at some point, we're okay with that too. And I was like, yeah, you might want to see what it looks like before you say that. Oh. But, um, I had yeah. another practitioner that works in my studio and I said, Hey, at lunchtime, when neither one of us have clients, um, you know, are you going to be okay if I'm kind of walking around uh, a little bit with my shirt off? And, you know, he was like, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, he mm-hmm. has seen bodies like I've seen bodies and we've made it work. Yeah. So <laughs> the, um, every Thursday I have to have my vitals taken. Uh, because I have to meet with my radiation oncologists, um, and that's done via video visit. So mm-hmm. the first time I go out, and of course, my blood pressure is really high. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. I thought with having the cancer removed that my blood pressure had regulated out. And um, of course, they're weighing me again every week. And so I got to look at that number and turn around with that. Don't look. Well, it's difficult because I was explaining to my oncologist this time, like I lost weight in between chemo and and surgery, which was great. Surgery, Mm -hmm. of course, I put weight back on Mm -hmm. uh, that I had not all of it, but I put on, uh, I lost 10 pounds. I put five back on during surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now that I started radiation, it's taking up four hours of my day between driving, treatment, driving back and my lotion, you know, stuff that I need to do. So I'm either getting my lifestyle calories in or I'm getting my exercise calories in, but I'm not getting them together. And to be Mm -hmm. honest, I don't really have the energy. I don't think I don't have the endurance built back yet uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I immediately like leave the radiation department and I head over to the cancer center where my chemo oncologist is because we found out that my estrogen levels are still 10 points higher than where they want them to be. I'm not fully in menopause. Mm-hmm. So I've got to get these shots put into my belly to really make sure that my ovaries stay Goodness. shut down until I have a hysterectomy. And I never had belly shots. Um, so painful. I, this was in the middle of the big snowstorm. So I run over there and I know I'm about a half an hour early for my appointment. Well, of course, you know, the nurse hasn't even made it there yet, but the person checking me in takes my vitals again. So I go into this big story about, you know, my blood pressure and, um, she takes it and it's textbook. Like, isn't that interesting? So when I talked to my radiation oncologist, she said, well, we're probably stressing you out from treatment. And she's like, but I'm glad to hear that your body recovers so quickly. She's like, your heart rate went down, your blood pressure went down. So good vagal tone. (laughs) Yes, isn't it? I was like, yay body, you know? And uh, so the nurse comes in to give me this shot. And she's like, have you ever had one of these before? And I'm like, nope. 
And I, I was just in there doing standing yoga poses is what I was doing, waiting for her. Mm-hmm. And she walks in, you know, it, when I'm doing yoga poses, the ner- poor nurses, they walk in, they're like, why is this patient not where the patient's supposed to be? You know? mm-hmm. And I'm always like, sorry, I was doing balancing half moon or warrior two or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, she she's like, all right. She's like, well, this is a large gauge needle. You know, I'm sorry to have to be the first person to give it to you. We'll alternate every month, you know, different sides of the abdomen. And I'm like, okay, you know, I was like, I have some PTS symptoms. I better sit on my hands. You know, I prepare for all that. And mm-hmm. she grabs it and it was not fun. But she had this awesome technique where she was like in, hit that plunger and right back out. I only got a half a swear word out. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was like, fuck. And I was like, are you done? She's like, yeah. And I go, did you like really hit the plunger? She's like, yeah, because it's such an uncomfortable shot. I just try to get in and out quick. And I was like, that's an awesome uh, technique. Yeah. Like, I loved it. I was like, thank you. <laughs> so uh, th- this week I get my, um, I'm going to get, you know, I know, okay, now it's Thursday. I'm going to have to go have my vitals taken. So I decide, this is what I've decided in the dressing room because I'm having a hard time facing my body. Right. Mm-hmm. And I found that I was kind of procrastinating and putting the lotion on. And I'm not really touching my body yet. I use a sponge. The sponge suggestion was great. It's it's much oh, softer so than mm-hmm. a washcloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a sponge that I put a piece of saran wrap around, so I don't have to have 25 new, you know, times three new sponges. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I use to put my lotion on, which is really tender and smooth that I can spread it out. Uh, What I do is I have an Apple watch and I use the uh, kind of reflection time. I set that for two minutes and Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to stay present with my body and notice the different bumps and creases and textures of my skin while I'm putting the lotion on. And then while I'm waiting for it to soak in a little bit before I put my uh, top back on, I do mindful breathing and I set that for three minutes. So I get like a little, I've turned it into a little five minute mindfulness practice. Now on Thursday, because I want my blood pressure to drop, I did Shatili breath and I had textbook blood pressure. Nice. Of course, I'm all excited about this. So I want to share with my radiation oncologist what I did. And Mm -hmm. my radiation oncologist says, well, you're probably just getting used to us. And I said, I don't know about that. I said, right now, this whole <laughs> right? procedure, I said, it's kind of like, I said, you know, like that friend that you kind of tolerate because they came with another friend that you really like and your, but your jaw kind of gets tense around them. I said, that's, that's where I'm at right now. So the, the fellow is like laughing, you know, underneath their mask, you can see them like mm-hmm. trying not to lose it. I was like, so I'm really thinking there's something to do with the Shatili breath. <laughs> Yeah, much more with what I'm doing personally with my body to regulate what's going on in my body. I'm like, let the patient uh, have a win here. <laughs> not only that, but you know, the only one used to any of that stuff are the doctors. Like, it, there's no getting used to that from a patient yeah. perspective <laughs> to where it's it's fun and games. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was our fun oh, wow. uh, thing this week. 
Here's another thing that happened that I thought was really weird. So uh, I do an energy exchange with uh, a massage therapist. So last Friday I was in a massage and when I got out, my phone had blown up from the hospital and my portal. Mm -hmm. So uh, the hospital that I originally started at had sent them, I guess, hospital share um, through a, a, a software program, patient records. Mm. So it's more secure. Well, someone through that had sent uh, a request for my radiation treatment plan stat. So my hospital had called to see, like, was I in the emergency room? Did something happen? I mean, they had just seen me at 7 a.m. that day and I was fine. Mm -hmm. uh, was I unhappy with the service and could they, you know fix something they they would be happy if I wanted to move treatment they're happy to oblige but um you know they they were just wondering what had happened so I thought to myself well you know given my other experience and I consciously made a choice not to switch hospitals for my radiation treatment because I right. was given that option uh, mm -hmm. I was like, what, what is going on? So I, I called and I said, could you tell me the doctor that requested it? Mm -hmm. Well, they couldn't tell me that. And I said, there's only two doctors in that system. Uh, and, and actually I said, there's only two doctors I work with locally for, on my health. Right. Um, and one of them isn't even in the system. They decided to stay private. That's where I go for my vaccines, my wellness stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I said, my OBGYN is still affiliated. I still go there, but they're the ones that helped me get here because I wasn't getting the treatment that I needed. Um, and so they said, well, let me look into it more. And I said, I'm happy. I said, let's be very clear. Don't go sending my records anywhere because I haven't given permission for that. Right. I guess. And I want to look into this further because hospital a, the first hospital mm -hmm. uh, did the first biopsy and recognized uh, the, the cancer there. Right. I guess they're required to report to the state in some sort of cancer registry my treatment plan. Doesn't that seem odd? That does seem well, that seems odd on a couple of levels because if they're required, then so is your current, so it's hospital B. Right. So your name and all of your information should be tied to that. So if it were just a hey, your status needs to be reported either, you know, for insurance purposes or um, I don't know if the state CDC just keeps track of, you know, disease well, numbers and that like, kind of this, stuff. Is this because I'm underinsured or is this just standard practice for everyone? But even if it was standard practice for everyone, Kim, why wouldn't, why would hospital B need to report? need to report that or why would hospital a need to report that when you're with hospital b well they said uh when they they said oh i did do some further digging and they're like we think it's odd how they worded their request for mm -hmm. example like they sh maybe shouldn't have used the word stat they should have just said um this was for reporting cancer registry but what i have I had returned a question to them and said, is this standard business practice for your hospital? And right. of course the oncologist said, you know, I don't deal with that and sure. stuff. So I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm happy to do some digging for you and find out. And I was like, you know, please do because I'm, 
I'm just, I just think it's, I guess I would like to know the purpose. Yeah. It's odd. What's the purpose for collecting that data at a state level? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and if they do collect, what would be the purpose of the hospital that you have not attended in over, well, a year almost, right? right? Because it was like April of, yeah. Um, what, why would they have anything to do with like, even just requesting your stuff? Yeah. That just seems odd. It does seem odd. So I, I was quite concerned about that. Unless it was your primary care wellness doctor that just wanted it for their records. Right. And they, and they have, uh, they have both wanted things, but they call me and say, Hey, just so we can update your records, would you mind having your doctor send over? And they, and they have happily done that. Um, Right. And we've, we've, we've made that happen. Uh, So it was just odd, the procedure of it. And I was like, you know, I really wanted to follow up. Um, But I guess we're still kind of looking into that a bit. The other thing that I've been wondering and and really looking at my chest and, you know, spending some mindfulness with it and such, uh, I, I still really think, you know, like, given my stage of cancer, everybody had an idea of what my treatment plan might look like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's odd to find out, you know, at the radiation stage that my plastic surgery options are, are almost, are, are, are reduced and, and what's left, I knew I wouldn't opt for. So let's just say mm-hmm. they really, you know, it came right down to like 10%, right? But I, if, if we remember when I was doing the surgery part, I had posed the question in pre-op stuff. My surgeon is great at removing disease, mm-hmm. but I knew we were going from a curved surface to a flat surface. And I knew I was going to have to look at these scars. And so I had posed the question, could I have a plastics closure? Now we right, know like with my gene mutation... Closure. Yeah, a flat closure. Now, we know it from my gene mutation. The geneticist had posed this theory that putting myself through big surgeries is not recommended because my body then isn't fighting cancer because it's healing from major surgery. Now, we knew that prior to all of this as well. So I keep wondering, like a plastic surgeon is more refined Mm-hmm. in repairing cosmetically the body. So if we knew in advance that I'm going to remain flat, we also know what the how the body perhaps shifts. It's difficult to do, especially when you're removing some lymph nodes and stuff. Why put me through another surgery where I'm going to have drains? Why couldn't I have had drains once and I'm out? Why couldn't a plastics person come in who knows how the uh, tissue is going to droop and, you know, build and whatever? Why couldn't I have had that plastics closure and just had one recovery? I've been posing this question to Mm -hmm. uh, my medical staff. And, you know, just saying there, sure. there needed to be a larger conversation there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably 
a, a, a paperwork insurance issue, which is silly because if your insurance would cover for you to have reconstruction, then recur, then uh, insurance should certainly cover if you want to have a flat closure. However, um, my guess is it's like probably like red tape of not having a plastic surgeon, that type of plastic surgeon on hand during because, the removal surgery. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. not having that set up as part of the thing because I mean, honestly, because of paperwork and, and all of that other stuff, probably more than just based on, I have very minimal to, to pull from except my son's closure surgery. And, um, you know, just thinking that from an insurance standpoint, this surgery was to remove the cancer <laughs> and to right. do all that stuff. And so to get a plastic surgeon for any sort of anything beyond that, um, even though it makes sense, it seems like a very rational choice. Like you said, why, why put you at risk of opening you up again? And, you know, I'm already under and. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it totally makes sense, but I'm sure yeah, it's just a matter of not putting another doctor on that payroll on that right. ticket. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Right now I'm hoping that, uh, in the fall that there'll be some sort of option to make my flat chest look a little prettier. Like right now, when I look down at the base of my sternum, it looks like there's two horns that stick out. So there's two mm. per- protrusions there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have these, I have a lot of armpit pain, but I have like this huge, I mean, it seems huge, but it's probably about the size of a fist or a little bit more of tissue that is just kind of buckled there. And I don't mm-hmm. know whether that's fluid or scar tissue or, you know, maybe the adipose tissue now sits differently. Um, you know, and I have thought, you know, maybe, we know radiation is going to damage the skin. So I'm like, is mm-hmm. it a pro for it to have plastics after it? You would think it would be before, but maybe there's a thing for after I have put on 50, 60 pounds. So right. when I Your body weight, will change. Will shift again. Yeah. And that's why we do it in the fall. Um, I don't know, but I'm hoping that, you know, because I would like to have the option to wear a form fitted tank top or t-shirt and not ha- have everybody see these horns and dips and caverns and bulges mm-hmm. of my chest. Like, like that lumpiness wouldn't make me feel confident about myself. Sure. Um, I did want to share too the, uh, back to when I'm getting treatment, the visual that I've been using, cause you're, I had shared that my mouth really dries out and then the esophagus dries and then that starts like almost a gagging reflex Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've used the visual of angel wings and the angel wings allow there to be moisture in my mouth. And I've also asked the angels to bring and scoop up all the cancer cells into the line of radiation. And I've asked for God's hands to take my healthy cells and organs and kind of 
uh, put them into a transitional nursery to protect my skin and my organs and my cells that are healthy. And while I'm receiving treatment and I'm counting my breath, this is the image that I'm holding in my mind while I go through that. It's a really nice visualization. Do you find it helping? I do. I find that I have moisture in my mouth and mm-hmm. that I, 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 I've kind of found some good places to swallow. Um, and when I'm in that visualization at one point uh, this week, I kind of got a little too much into the free flow of things and I missed my hold. Mm. (laughs) and so then I needed to um, start over so I almost because I get deep into uh, kind of this visualization or or meditation if you will um, I do need the nurse to just say hold uh, Mm -hmm. so my brain registers quick enough because sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm just in the free flow of the breath and the visualization that I you know miss my little quarter inch mark there to to stop and hold my breath sure did they like I know you're using the contraption and obviously just the shock of the idea that something would have breathed for you and how much more panicky that would be did you ask about why it's through the mouth and not through the nose I did ask my oncologist that and she said that if they were going to do it through the nose they would have to intubate through the nose uh, to do it in order to seal things off. And she's like, that would be mm-hmm. way more com- uncomfortable. Can you imagine having okay. that done every day? And I was like, oh, heck no. You right. know, because I was wondering, like, why couldn't you just have almost like an oxygen mask thing that covered right. the mouth and the nose so you could do either is mm-hmm. what I was envisioning. But she said, no, and they'd have to, you know, seal the mouth and they'd have to intubate you through the nose because it's harder mm-hmm. to... And I was like, yeah. well, nobody wants that. Let's. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that doesn't sound like. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> not that any of it. Not that any of it sounds like fun. And it really sounded horrific. But when you do put that juxtaposed to uh, not breathing for yourself at all. <laughs> well, I think too, in learning what different devices were and, and maybe why. And they what everything is doing. Yeah. yeah, then it helps. Uh, just like I get a, a report after each one of my radiation treatments, and I noticed that these two numbers kept increasing. So I was wondering, you know, gosh, am I getting a higher and higher dose? But it's an accumul- It's my accumulative dose of radiation uh, is why the numbers are changing. Oh, okay. That's interesting, too. Because Yeah, because radiation is, a, is an accumulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, it's all things that we we kind of joked about this before we got on the air, but all the things that you're learning that you never wanted to know. Yeah, the machine didn't scare me because I had uh, with our local hospital, when they opened up their cancer center, I, you know, helped do fundraising and stuff with Mm -hmm. the hospital then before it was purchased by another, uh, you know, a bigger hospital. And so I had seen a radiation machine before and, um, you know, they they take x-rays every, every fifth visit to see if anything has changed. And so it's, it's a quite elaborate machine. I mean, these arms with x-ray panels come out and you can see them around. And then the radiation device itself is, is a little circle uh, piece that, you know, can move around the body. 
because they are radiating me. Uh, they're radiating me from the back uh, and my back shoulder area to help with that lymph node area. So not only do they get in the armpit, but they also come up underneath it as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a dose okay. there. And so I had said, you know, I had asked the question. I was like, oh, I see it go almost way down to the floor. Like what's happening there? Like what angle are, are you trying to get right. there? I think the largest doses are kind of straight on over top of my chest from what I can tell in my lay terms. Um, and that area around the sternum, I think is probably the most tender for me that in my uh, side armpit area. Sure. I can, I can imagine that it would be, but also from from both sides, physically knowing what's there and then mentally knowing what's going on inside. You know what I mean? Like the having the um, interoception kind of, of what's going on inside as well. Yeah. Um, could, could make that sensation, you know, more prevalent. Yeah. The, um, the, my liver has not recovered from chemo yet, and so it's stable, but um, the numbers have not recovered through my blood work. So that mm. has me uh, concerned, and I'm you know, trying to work on that. My acupuncturist says my chi is stuck uh, through the abdomen area, so mm-hmm. I'm really working with them to try to open that up and... Um, see what we can do. I'm doing knocking along the liver line and gallbladder line at different times during the day, uh, trying to see what we can do there. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine acupuncture and then per, perhaps nutritionally, if there's mm-hmm. anything that you can boost liver-wise. Well, here's the thing. I'm not back to any of my supplements yet. They still don't want right. me on my supplements so I, and no, I I'm wondering, wondering what like, foods I'm trying to think of what foods are specific yeah I'm eating mostly vegetables and fruit mm-hmm. I do have uh one serving of meat a day um you know I I like I do a steamed beet you know I'm trying to think of all the things uh, that work there but you know even I, I still think my digestion is still a little off. It's still a little depleted uh, from chemo as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to work on that as much as I can. That area is still congested too fascially. And so the other thing that I think too, when I talk to the acupuncturist is about circulation, is that the more I can continue to open that up from surgery, that area, will that also shift? Mm. Yeah. I mean, can you think of foods for the liver right now? I have to think. I was, I was just, uh, if I sounded distracted, it was because I was looking it up. Um, you'll be glad to know uh, your berries are on the list. So the polyphenols in berries are supposed to help um, with liver enzymes. So yeah. your raspberries that I know that you like to eat. I know it's not <laughs> the season, but I know yes. how much you like raspberries. Um, so raspberries, it does, it does say that coffee, um, moderate coffee appears to lower abnormal liver enzymes and people at risk for liver disease. Um, high fiber foods such as oatmeal, whole grains, um, 
help suppress liver inflammation. Yeah, Nick's been feeding me turmeric and pineapple, which are on the, you know, to lower inflammation inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's got watermelon out this week. So he's been pretty good about alternating and rotating fruits and vegetables and things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, maybe we'll have to add in a couple of those uh, berries and the coffee. An apples, artichokes beets you're already doing broccoli and cauliflower um and vitamin c so any foods high in vitamin c helps the body turn toxins into substance that can be dissolved in water for easily removal yep i did some grapefruit in the morning mm-hmm. yeah. so i i was um, concerned and they they said that um they have seen livers take as much as 12 months they thought the sure. average was six months, and I am I'm only four months out from chemo. So, yeah, you know, hopefully in the next two months I can turn that around. But they are going to continue to watch it, uh, you know, take some blood work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep an eye on it for sure. But you know, so what, the liver is the the most amazing organ in the body. So, <laughs> and it and it's had a lot to filter. I mean, oh, you're literally yeah. pumping it through with, with all the things, all the bad stuff. So, Well, and your largest lobe of your liver is to the right. And I that is where I am the most stuck mm-hmm. uh, fascially mm-hmm. there. So every sure. day I do, I wake up and I do this stomach massage. And while I'm doing it, I, I say, you know, I love my body. It's been through so much. And you know, I'm trying to give it kindness and compassion for everything it's going through and, you know, kind of talk to it. I have found to answer some courageitarian questions before I forget those. Um, I have found that showering has gotten easier. I have to coach myself. So I'm talking to myself while I'm in the shower. Um, Mm -hmm. I have found a sponge over the, um, surgical area to be more palatable than, a washcloth, and, yeah. but I am at the point where I can let water run over it. Uh, nice. And I had said to Nick, I said, geez, you know, just when I'm starting to find some peace in the shower, I'm going to have the radiation and it's probably, you know, going to go back to not. Once in a while, something happens to me where I get the electrical shock feeling again. And then, um, you know, then I'm, I'm having a, a trigger moment, a, a big emotional moment in there as I mm. work through that. Um, the other thing that people, um, were wondering is why am I picking such early appointments? I get mm-hmm. better treatment. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're more patient with accessing my port. Uh, you know, a little more joyful and on time, you know, with getting whatever treatment that I need to have done. I don't think that they're purposely, you know, trying to not be patient with me. I, I have never felt that sure. someone wasn't. But for example, like with my port, uh, you know, the time before last, the person was really pumping the syringe. Now I know there's a little valve in there, but like the thing popped out. So then Mm -hmm. when they're putting it back in, you know, my mind goes to like Gray's Anatomy, right? Like, oh my God, she's going to put air (laughs) in my major vein and what's going to happen? But here's the thing is the patient is I can feel that pumping inside my body. 
and right. that pumping, trying to get everything to work, it, it is, it creates anxiety. Mm-hmm. So the woman that I had last time, I said, Hey, you know, I had just had surgery. So there was extra swelling. Uh, they got it to flush, but they couldn't get the blood flow to come. But then when they took the thing out, there was all this blood coming out. So obviously mm-hmm. it does flow. Right. So I don't know what we're going to find today. I said, but, you know, let me know if you need me to look a different way, breathe, hum, whatever. Like, I'm willing to do that stuff for you. And she just said, she says, honey, I've been doing this so long. My hands don't pump anymore. And I'm not going to do that. She's like, we're just going to be patient. And she was just patient with me. And she's like, oh, she's like looking to your right, talking about kayaking and taking nice, deep, relaxing breaths. She's like, your blood flows into my vials for all the blood she had to collect for my test Mm -hmm. easily. But it took Mm -hmm. her waiting rather than pumping a bunch of flushing materials into me. And, and it, it was really peaceful. And I wasn't in pain for a whole week after the port, because when the blood starts to come, uh, you can feel a sting and you feel the draw. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to remember that the patient feels that stuff internally. Yeah. Well, and I would think too, back to like having an earlier appointment, um, not just the, the, um, care workers, not just the, the employees, but for yourself, I know that it does maybe perhaps affect the rest of the day. But there is something about, uh, what did Mark Twain call it, eating the frog, like getting the hardest thing done first. If you're, like, I feel like that could be seen as helpful for you as well to, like, get it over with and done and go about the rest of your day. It's kind of like, like I do that with like my workout. (laughs) I need to do that. I could be one of those evening workout people. That's fine. But I'm way less likely to enjoy it and get really into it and just knock it out. And and if I have it planned for later versus, and not that you get to have a choice (laughs) to like skip it, like I would with a workout, but the idea of saying, um, you know, I have to do this thing. Let's get it over with and move forward from that point. Um, I don't know if you look at it that way, but no, that's it, how I think I would want to view it as, you know. And it has, it is how we looked at radiation because it, it did disrupt my client schedule the least. I had to move mm-hmm. two days versus five days. It also, if towards the end, I'm too fatigued to drive myself or I can't tolerate the seatbelt coming across from the left and I need, mm-hmm. it would be better if I sit on the passenger side, um, Nick could drive me and still make it to his job uh, by 9, 9.30, right. which is a little later to start construction, but not unreasonable time uh, to start for people. I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, this Facebook group that I found. Uh, One of my friends who went through breast cancer about a week uh, or a year before me, sorry, not a week, but a a year before (laughs) me. uh, It's called Fabulously Flat Under Reconstruction, Under Reconstructed Breast Cancer Survivors. 
And it's a group of over 6,000 ladies who have gone flat. And I had shared that my um, oncologist had said about 50-50 is now what she sees and staying flat and reconstructed. And um, they've really been a good support system uh, for ladies to share. And when I was kind of having that emotional, you know, it hit me harder emotionally to go flat than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend suggested it in December and I have found um, nice conversations there with other women um, who are further down the path than me. That's so nice. There certainly is something to be said for like internet support to be able to reach so many people in one from the comfort of your own home <laughs> yeah. to be able to connect in that way. And I really needed to hear one of the, one of the most healing posts that I have found there is hearing women who have shared how many years out they are from mm-hmm. treatment mm-hmm. and hearing women who have had multiple types of cancers and still hearing how many years out that some of them are like 19 years out from it. Um, knowing that that might be my fate. uh, Mm -hmm. I, I find posts like that really supportive and, and hopeful. Um, you know, in those dark moments, it gives me some positivity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so glad that you have that, that you found that. Well, anything else for our community before I tell everybody to to come to our website with their questions or emails? <laughs> no, I mean, if, if um, people have continued questions, let me know. Um, a shout out to our Courageitarians, Patty and Angela, that keep sending me these wonderful cards. Uh, they're um, they're wonderful and they always put a smile on my face and I appreciate the love that you send. That's so great. I we do a shout out to our Courageitarian community, absolutely, because your your thoughts and prayers are always welcomed and um I think working wonderfully. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad that things aren't maybe as scary as it seems like it would be, Kim. And it seems like, you know, as with everything, there are tweaks and pivots and things that have to be done. But you are courageous in your own right, rolling through it and doing what needs to be done. Thank you. We'll catch you next time, guys. Show notes and resources grow on our website, wherethelotusgrows.com. If you're wanting to engage with the topics we present in a deeper way, it's a great place to go for a more immersive experience and links to pertinent show information. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or subscribe on our website to get our weekly blog, personalized weekly mantra, and links to listen to the show. We're so grateful for all the reviews, recommendations, membership support, and suggestions that you provide us. As always, our member platform is at patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows this is where you can go to donate to the show to help keep us going and get a few rewards for your support thank you courageitarians we love having you as our sangha until next week remember that we are professionals in our field the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended as treatment or diagnosis 
please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for full evaluation.